The stadium buzzed with excitement. There was a football game our team was likely to win. But the game wasn't the buzzing highlight of the evening. This special night featured a nod to high school seniors and their parents before the ready-to-conquer-the-world young men demonstrated their prowess on either side of the 50-yard line. My stepson, a lover of the limelight, would be introduced with fanfare regarding his high school accomplishments and graduation plans as he was escorted onto the field by his parents. I'd experienced senior night a few years ago with both my daughters, a mama who understood the importance of the moment, a significant life marker for both my child and me. My influence would dim even as I celebrated my child's transition to adulthood. Senior night, a night when freight trains of memories with your kids growing up speed through your mind. The imprint of that transition can feel overwhelming. How can someone on the inside feel like such an outsider? Clinging to the metal bleacher, my body felt tied up in knots. I wrestled between two choices. One, honoring my stepson by going down to the field with his biological parents, and two, avoiding the parent-child senior walk altogether. I considered it no small victory that I was clinging to the bleacher to begin with. I knew enough about the mechanics of senior night and my stepson to know my name would not be announced along with his parents when he walked onto the field. Ephesians 6.12 For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Bill pleaded with me to accompany him to meet our son and his mom on the field below. The good part of me wanted to honor his request. I understood the importance of being a part of this life moment. Yet at that point, clinging to the bleacher meant I was preserving my dignity, and letting go would mean loving my husband more than my pride. I don't believe my husband had a clue as to the wrestling warfare raging between the dark and the light, despite arguing with my man earlier that I had zero interest in walking on that field. Not for lack of wanting to support him. No, my reasoning, tinged with prideful protection of self, was knowing that my name had not been added to that announcer's list. My fingers continued to tighten their grip on the bleacher. Bill asked me to join him again. Anger flashed in my eyes as I looked up at him. My best bud met my spewing sparks with quizzical ignorance. He was asking me to honor his son with him. I forced each curled finger to unlatch its grip from the metal seat. The physical movement belied the stony stillness in my heart. Dread and resentment filled me as I stood in line with my husband and my bonus ex-wife. I stared at the tall white buckets filled with long-stemmed red roses peppering the line as everyone jockeyed to get in position. Seniors selected roses for their mothers and joined the ranks, waiting to be introduced on the field. Those roses, they weren't meant for me. They were meant for the real moms who would flash their tear-glistened eyes like badges of honor. My eyes would remain dry because those buckets of stem roses weren't meant for stepmamas. 
Have you had your long-stemmed red rose moment? Hey there, everybody. Jen Rogers, co-host of Step Family Mission Possible. We are so pleased that you're joining us today, where Bill and I have a conversation about how you work through those moments where you're experiencing hurt, disappointment, anger, frustration in your step family. In fact, the three tips that we provide are good for all of your relationships as far as understanding how to deal with the values that you bring to the table, how they play out in your relationship, and how you can move through those more challenging situations. We are so pleased to have you join us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Step Family Mission Possible. Real quick though, before we start, Bill and I are going to be sharing literally everything we know and that we're learning about how to enjoy step family life on this podcast feed. So we're not going to be holding anything back. But the thing is, it's going to take us a long time to release all of this knowledge out into the world as we're doing weekly episodes. So if you are ready to kick chaos to the curb and live your best step family life, Right now, we invite you to participate in our coaching programs. It all starts with a free 30-minute call. We'll give you our best blending advice on what you can do immediately to calm the chaos. And if it's a good fit for you, we'll invite you into our membership program. Simply go to stepfamilymissionpossible.com or click on the link in the show notes to begin. We can't wait to meet you. What is the gist of every argument? I'm right and you're wrong. (laughs) What is the gist of every argument outside of those times that you're right and I'm wrong? The gist of every argument is misunderstanding. And usually it has to do with a value that I have that you may not share. And that I think, frankly, you should share. In fact, everybody in the world should share. And that becomes a recipe for conflict. How many shoulds did you just should on me right there? I don't know. I'm shouldn't all over you. Right <laughs> that was a whole lot of shoulds. I'm thinking that we've been talking about that we should not be shitting. Okay. <laughs> to not should. This is what happens. We get into an argument and our mind knows exactly what we want, but the person we're arguing with doesn't. A lot of that probably has to do, now I'm speaking from my own experience here, it has to do with how I define one of my values and what I grew up with too, as far as what the norm is. Earlier, you and I were having a conversation about peacemaking and consistency and how those two values, if you value consistency and your partner values making peace in the home, that sometimes those two things won't go together. They might not. And the way that works is that if I am a peacemaker and that is more important to me than anything, I want to avoid a battle. I want to avoid the war. Whereas if you are valuing something like consistency, you're saying, now, wait a minute, this isn't consistent with a conversation that we had moons ago. I may or may not remember it, but you certainly do. 
And to you, battle doesn't matter because it's more important that we be consistent. While to me, no, it's more important that we avoid a battle. And that can create, that juxtaposition of values can create a fight. And the interesting thing about that is that we can end up fighting over things we're not really fighting about. We end up fighting over our values instead of the issue that we're actually trying to solve. When you were talking, I was thinking about how many different conversations at a high volume we have had. Sure. Specifically related to consistency and peacemaking. And I would have to say that as you were generalizing the example, you are the peacemaker. And I am the consistency person. More so. Yes. But what's interesting is that now in our eight years together now, what has happened is I have begun to understand the value that you place in consistency, and that makes it more important to me. Here's a really interesting thing. Thank you. I'm glad that it makes it more important to you. And I think There's reciprocity there that we have a better understanding now of what's important to the other person. And we're willing to move a little bit more off of our hard stance on the value that we've been holding on to because it's a way that we can love our partner and still get to yes without compromising our, what I want to call our combined step family couple values. Yes, because values are those things that are deeply important to us. The question we ask as a couple, is my value something that's important to both of us? Or is it just something that I've held on because maybe it was a habit in my childhood or something like that? I'm wanting to come up with an example for our listeners in this consistency versus peacemaking because you said it's not really about the issue at hand. So if we're having an argument and we were to put two values on it and you had peacemaking and I had Mm. consistency, Mm -hmm. what would that argument look like? And then what is it really about? Okay. So the argument is really about, let's say, the way we are disciplining our, our child. The argument is about the way we are disciplining our child and what's going on with you is you're thinking, now, wait a minute. Last time we talked about this, we decided that we were going to do it this way. And yet now you're doing it that way. That's inconsistent. I do get downright historical, don't I? Possibly. And what happens for me in a situation like that, I might feel like, now, wait a minute, I don't want to go down this plow road. We've talked a lot. We've said, well, how come we keep plowing the same road? And we say, if you keep plowing the same square foot when you've got an acre to work with, that can cause a problem. It has caused more than one problem for sure. But again, the reason why we're now arguing over something different is we're arguing over our values instead of arguing over what is the best way to discipline or raise this child. Although we still get caught up in what's going on in the moment and we don't always recognize that it's a value difference between us. But we usually do later. We can look at it later and say, oh, okay, so this really wasn't even. How many times would we say, you get in the heat of the moment and you're in a a battle, you're in an argument, whereas the next day you're looking at it differently and you're saying, 
Oh, you really meant that? Oh, I didn't understand. That's the way you meant it. Never mind. <laughs> I don't know that I say never no, no, no. mind. The old, the old church lady. <laughs> okay. All right. So mm-hmm. how is it that we could recognize that it's values that are bumping up against each other sooner so that we don't go down and plow that same square foot. I want to see what's on the whole acre. So how do we get there? Do you know, I would say you start there. I would say that you initially have to understand that we come from different places. So we need to give each other permission to be wrong, as it were. Permission to explore their own values. Now, we may have an argument. We may have an urgent issue that needs to be resolved. How are we going to discipline this kid? Or how are we going to take care of this situation? And a decision may well need to be made there. But the deeper issue is how are we communicating? And if we start with a foundation of we trust one another, then that makes it easier to say, I'm wrong instead of you're wrong. To say, you know what? I know she doesn't intentionally attack me about this thing. So I'm seeing things incorrectly right now. And I need to step back. So you go back to the beginning. Is That's what I heard you say. What is important to you? When I reflect on our beginning mm-hmm. and the things that we did initially while we were dating, we were having a lot of fun. We were doing things together. We were doing the thing that the other person wanted to do. We were very excited about spending time together. We made each other a priority and we invested more than just time together. We invested time before the time to think about how we wanted to, for lack of a better word, behave when we got together. Or we did something special in advance to prepare for an event. There's some real truth to that. I think there's two thoughts that come to mind on that. One is that when you're in that dating situation or even early in the marriage, you're willing to overlook more. You're willing to look at things differently because you say, oh, I'm so in love. What will fix this? Whereas maybe as time goes on, it hasn't been fixed. You're like, no, this drives me crazy. I don't like this. We got to resolve that. But the other thing is that I think sometimes we romanticize a lot. We look and we, we say, oh, it was better than it was. There were arguments. There were things along the way that you look back and say, that was a, a setup. Maybe I just avoided an issue instead of going down a road that I knew I was eventually going to have to go down. Interesting. I had this image of rose-colored glasses come to mind, quickly replaced by bifocals. <laughs> <laughs> And we're not going to talk about what kind of glasses we're wearing now. That's not really relevant. But what is relevant is the level of precision with which we're evaluating what's going on. And if we are responding in the heat of the moment, we're not taking the time to think about how we want this to go down. Instead, there's more of an emotional response to whatever's going on that has triggered it. And that's one of those things. If you're a a newly married couple, or even if you've been married for a long time, it's a good idea to have some rules of the road that you fight by. There are things that we say, hey, we never go to bed 
angry, for example, even if it's just, okay, I don't completely understand, you don't completely understand, but we're going to lay it down and have a truce here so we can sleep. Those are important things that the Lord laid out, of course, in the scriptures and Ephesians. But at the same time, by having rules that we fight by, we understand that we're going to readdress the issue. And perhaps from a different perspective, because it's amazing what time can do. And it's amazing what can happen once the emotions do come down. Sure. Typically, when things go awry, they go awry at the end of the day. After you have lived the whole day (laughs) and you've had all of these things coming at you, whatever they are. Or Sunday morning when you're getting ready for church. Or Sunday morning when (laughs) when you're getting ready for church. Indeed. Yes, there are some attacks that come Sunday morning. It is the straw that breaks the back that is just that last piece that we're not willing to process anymore. But the issue at that point has very little to do with the issue. As I say, now it's emotion. And perhaps there's some pride. I know for me, there has been like, have I been wrong about this all along? No! (laughs) Digging my feet. These are just things that I think all people go through. But bring a little humor to it and also agreeing to look at it through the value prism can be very helpful. I want to go back uh, to some practical tips for how you fight. You shared that you don't go to bed angry or you decide that you're going to basically put it in the parking lot for the night and then readdress it in the morning. There are still times when we decide to do that that I have an eighth of an inch left, if that, on my side of the bed where I'm clinging to the mattress, where I don't want anything to do with you because I'm caught up in this working to let go of mm-hmm. being angry. And that's very normal. It, it, it's the same way for me, by the way. There are times I, I have gone to bed and felt like, okay, the issue's by no means resolved. But I don't want us to be at each other's throats when we go to bed because we won't sleep for one. I've told you I can't sleep if you're angry with me. Of all the people in the world to be angry with me, I, mean, I can sleep if anyone in the world is angry with me except you pretty much. I don't know that you've ever clung to just one eighth of an inch of the mattress. In fact, I think you're pretty much sprawled all over the bed, but that's another conversation. For another day. <laughs> that's right. So I guess I, I, I think when we hear some of these biblical principles, mm-hmm. don't let the sun sunset on your anger, Mm. that we turn that into something that's very rigid. For me, I would say that it is a practical conversation that says, I am really angry and Mm. I don't want to talk about it right now because I know if I talk about it right now, it's not going to be good for me, but it sure is not going to be good for you, which then in turn means it's not going to be good for me again. No, that's a very good point. And I know that there have been many times where we have gone to bed. We've had some form of resolution before we go to sleep, but we wake up in the morning and and I'm sorry, we can't come together and pray together, which is a habit for us every morning, which is a great thing, until we resolve the issue, until we've at least talked about it. And what normally happens is we realize It's a matter of perspective, not usually a matter of complete disagreement in values. That's a great point. It definitely is our experience of the situation. And because each one of us are different and we bring these different things to the table, we will describe something different 
from each other, even though we shared the exact same experience. Here we are, we're drinking tea. We could describe the flavors of the tea very differently, even Mm. if we're drinking the same tea, for example. Fighting rules. I want to get to this because I think this is really important. I think this is really the highlight of the podcast today is Mm. how do you fight when your values are misaligned, Mm. when you have someone who is wanting to make peace and someone who is consistent, you can see how while those are good values in and of themselves, one of them is going to have to move a little bit. One of the ways that we talked about that is that if we're in a situation where we're in a bad spot, that the fight is at the end of the day, or we haven't been able to get around to it, we're going to acknowledge to one another that we've got a problem here And now is not the time to address it. Can we go ahead and move it to tomorrow and address it the next day? So that's one way that couples can help diffuse the situation. I think that requires that they trust one another, Hmm. that it is the best for their marriage to pick it up tomorrow in a way uh, that most likely will be more respectful and problem-solving oriented. Yeah, if I want to be strong in my life, if I want to be disciplined, then I'm disciplined every day. I don't just wait for the time when the crisis is upon me and that's when I'm going to exercise the discipline, right? That has to be a daily thing. One of the things we can do in our relationships is get to the point where we understand I'm for you and you're for me. So no matter what we get to in a fight, I'm for you and you're for me. This is very important because we can start slinging around insults and things like that. And that's when people go a little too far. The I'm for you and you're for me, that's easier to say than do in common stepfamily situations where there is disagreement about your stepchildren, what you think is the best decision for your stepchildren and the bio parent doesn't agree, for example, or there's some sort of conflict that's coming in from outside the home that has to do with, quote unquote, your kids, not my kids. And there's trouble brewing there. And it doesn't always feel I'm for you and you're for me. It sometimes feels like you're for your bio kid. That's natural. That's going to happen, right? In in relationships, that's going to happen. But We have to determine up front, what are our line in the sand issues? There are line in the sand issues and there are disputable issues. There are things that I can say, this is absolutely not going to be crossed. For example, we are going to worship the Lord Jesus Christ in this home. If all of a sudden you said, we're not going to worship the Lord anymore. (laughs) That is a line in the sand issue. No, we, we certainly are going to worship the Lord. That's an example, maybe an extreme one, but there are disputable issues too. If I want you to wash my car consistently on Saturdays at 2 p.m. every Saturday. That's debatable. (laughs) Would you wash my car this Saturday at 2 p.m.? That works really well for me. (laughs) I think I get it. I think I get that there are some firm things that we're not going to move from. However, when we're in that those rose-colored glasses or this starry-eyed love affair that we often talk about, we're not having these conversations. And we can't even imagine having these conversations, which I believe goes right back to the beginning of what do you value? 
and having a conversation about that. Because when you decide, when you maybe not even decide initially, but you start having that conversation, hey, these are things that are important to me and putting your own value label on it, that begins to create the awareness of what's really important for each one of you. And then you can have a conversation about, okay, so in our marriage and in our co-parenting, what would that look like? And begin to explore how you can work through some of those issues that you've never experienced before. I think we do that a little bit when we're dating, when we're getting started, we certainly do that. But what we don't do is we don't triage. We don't talk about, so now what if this happens? What if it gets to this level and your ex-spouse comes out and level 10 and we're just right up against it? What do we do then? I just Uh, want to say, (laughs) I didn't even know the levels of ex-spousal experiences that there are for both of us. I just had no idea. And, And so that really does tie into this what are your rules for fighting? I think acknowledging Mm -hmm. that there are differences that will continue to create differences and conflict. And that goes to your definition of conflict. How do you describe conflict? I would say typically people describe conflict as something negative, that it is something that you want to avoid. And yet conflict is inevitable. Yeah, conflict is dissonance. Dissonance is just whenever you have two waves that aren't going in the same direction, they hit each other. That's conflict. Whenever there's a value that I have that is not going in the same direction as a value as you have, and they crash into each other, we have conflict. Conflict can be small. Conflict can be large. We learn more as we go. We can't expect that We're going to be able to presuppose every pitfall that we're going to go through. But as we go along, we identify, ah, pitfall, look at the side of the road there. We better be careful about that one. As we go, and part of that's just plain old honesty. You know what? When you did that, it bothered me. And I'm trying to explore why. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Thank you for that. As we explore why, as we think about our values and we think about how we're going to fight So we're up the next morning and we're ready to have it out. What do you recommend that people consider before they start having it out? Prayer, really. We need to agree that we're going to put ourselves in God's hands. Here's the thing. We need to actually imagine ourselves in an arena before the Lord as the as the crowd looking down on us. And, and we have to say, okay, everything I do right now is before God. Am I going to make him proud? Am I trying to win or am I trying to resolve something? I do like to win. We all do. <laughs> no, I really do like to win. I know. <laughs> this is a good thing. It can be. <laughs> Very well deflected. Depends on, on the game. Okay, prayer. Let's take a moment right now and encourage people who are listening to think about what is it that your partner needs prayer over the most? Is it the relationship that they have with you? Is it their relationship with another family member or with the Lord? Is it a struggle Mm -hmm. that they're having at work? 
Mm-hmm. Is it a financial pressure that they're experiencing? Mm. Is it just that they've been feeling a little off lately? Boy, it could be any one of those things, couldn't it? And it's really interesting you mention those things because how many times is a fight really about something totally different? Something that I'm going through in another place. Something that I haven't shared with you completely yet that's really bothering me about another relationship. Perhaps a relationship with my my non-bio child. I'm not willing to share right now. I'm going through something. And, and, and who knows? That's happened to us, certainly. Where we have inside you, I shouldn't be bothered by what my stepchild just did, but I am. And, there, and, and to say that to her bio mom is going to set off another chain reaction here. So yeah, I'm angry, but I'm not angry. (laughs) I think we're hurt and maybe even disillusioned because we thought that we were going to be a family like the families that we have experienced before or that we have idealized in our minds. And instead we got this family. (laughs) And we don't, it's very difficult for me, for example, it's very difficult for me to take responsibility for that. Just being honest in saying that, how can I have such a big role in this? I'm not the only one in this. And I'm, I I don't mean that everything that goes on in a family is, what do I want to say? That it's one person who's responsible for all those things. But I do think that as the co-parents in the home, that we have a significant responsibility and a level of accountability for what goes on in our family. And when things don't go well, when you feel like there's so much out of your control Mm. that you Mm. thought there's this word should be in your control. Mm. It's so uncomfortable. And it, it had me and still at times has me questioning the authority I have in my own home with when it comes to my stepkids and my level of overall confidence. I used to describe it as, hey, every other week when the kids would come, one week I was this put together woman. I knew what I was about and I knew my purpose and I had confidence and I was secure in the authority in my home. And then when the kids would come, it was just this whole big, I don't know what, everything shifted and I did feel out of control and uncomfortable. That is normal and natural. And we need to give ourselves permission to realize that we're all going to be schizophrenic in a situation like this where we don't know the outcomes. And the thing is, there's a million spokes going out in different directions and not everybody's on the same page with us. We've talked about this before, the plethora of relationships. Not only is there the step relationship, but you understand that the relationship that you have, for example, with my boys, then they have a bunch of relationships with their mom, with their grandparents, with their friends, with everyone else in their sphere. And then all of those have spokes that influence everything coming back. So we have to understand, and I think give ourselves some patience, because I do think that idea I would venture to get, if not everybody on this that is listening to this podcast right now, pretty near close to everybody has felt like they didn't have control over their own situation. Mm -hmm. It is 
part and parcel of being in a step family. You don't understand that right away. But you come to understand, oh, oh my gosh, I try to discipline my stepchild and they basically look at us like I have, look at me like I have five heads. That's normal. I, I like that you've said that a couple of times that you are normalizing those experiences. And it reminds me of other conversations that we've had where we talk about approaching things with this spirit of curiosity instead of judgment. It's difficult to be curious in those moments where you're feeling less than. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think there's still some, it, perhaps it is pride, in that you want to have things all together for your partner. Of course. Well, not just for your partner, for your stepkids too. You want to be super mom. You want to be together. Even though I know I'm not mom, I'm going to be the best stepmom in the world. And you're going to have everything you ever needed and go, wow, my situation is just fantastic. And when it doesn't work out that way, you feel like a failure. Yeah. When the wind changes and my cape slaps me in the face, that hurts. It hurts. Okay. What does this have to do with this whole, so we got to this not going to bed angry mm -hmm. acknowledgement that there is anger and you recognize that it's not the time to fight. We're going to go to bed. And we're going to talk about it in the morning. And then when we begin the conversation, the next thing that we encourage couples to do is to pray and invite the Lord in to that yeah. conversation. Yeah. And then the next thing I would say is lay out the issues. Get really honest and say, these are the, say, no more than three, but these are the three things that are causing my emotional response. These are three things that I'm going through right now over this situation. And then we can identify, are we fighting over the issue we started fighting over? Or are we fighting over a value, something that's becoming a pitfall in our relationship because we're not identifying the different way that both of us look at these things? Let's give an example where we could say, this thing that we're about to say, and then you, somebody could go ahead and take this and fill it in with their own example. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. Here's the formula. And if you need to go ahead and press pause and grab a piece of paper and a pencil, I highly recommend it. In fact, this is what I did because I wanted to make sure that I would get it right. Once we learned this, it's three components. Yeah. And it starts with, I observe, observe. then I felt... And this is... It would help me if you would... Fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. Okay. All right. So we have been working on a couple of examples mm -hmm. with these observations. Yeah. So you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? I observed... This is from your perspective, right? Because I, <laughs> I got okay. my own. I know okay. what to say. I got it. I, got I observed it. you get angry when I was watching football instead of doing the dishes. It, it caused me to feel attacked and you felt like I didn't care. And so it would help me if you would allow me to watch the last half hour of this game and then I will gladly do the dishes. <laughs> okay. We've had something similar happen to that. All right. So I observed that... When I was having a conversation with you and sharing something that was really important to me earlier today, that it felt like you weren't really listening to me because you were 
looking at your phone and looking at your computer and just moving around in your chair. So I didn't feel like what I was sharing with you was important to you. It would really help me if when we're having a conversation, if you would give me your full attention. And if I've neglected to make space for you and say, hey, is now a good time? Just let me know that and I'll work on that too. And those are things I noticed, for example, when you say this happened today, all of a sudden my dander went up. I feel like my dog putting up her hackles. (laughs) This actually did not happen today, but this has happened. (laughs) I know it's happened. We've had this conversation. phone. (laughs) Probably checking football scores. Probably checking football (laughs) scores. I think it's useful because what I noticed, even when I was reflecting on what I wanted to say, that I was more careful, that I took a little more time to tell you the thing that I didn't like, and Mm -hmm. I didn't make it about your behavior. I actually made it about what my experience was and how I was struggling in that experience. It was just more careful, but it was also honest. It didn't minimize or soften the behavior that impacted me. I know that when we've had these kind of conversations in the past, what can often happen is I'll feel like, whoa, that's not how I meant it at all. So now we've got a common ground to build on to say what I really meant to say was. That's really good. I think it goes back to these values. Do we value peace in the home? Mm -hmm. So see, we can get consistent peace Mm -hmm. here because we can consistently adopt these fight, not flight behaviors, which may involve delaying having a conversation till the next day, like what we suggested, Mm -hmm. depending on the time of day or whatever else is going on in your life, that if that moment is not the time to solve it, you make the, you believe in the truth that you are for me and I am for you. That's it. This is the thing. And there are just some things that we have to take off the table. There are some words that can come up in fights among couples and especially among step couples that can really elevate the stakes. And we have to agree to take those words off the table. Yeah, we have had some conversations in the beginning that we haven't had for some time. Because as we've had those high volume Mm -hmm. conversations, we have learned from them. And it just makes me think again, on almost every episode, I think about this, that while we're sharing strategies on how you can actually blend beautifully together, we are consistently working on that, that we know that there are ongoing challenges. And I've also learned that we continue to deal with, is this a step family thing? Or is this just a normal family mm, thing. thing? Or a me thing. Or a me thing. You thing. Not me. Yeah. Okay. And sometimes it's really hard to tell. And I guess that's where we have adopted this tagline of you are family here mm-hmm. at Step Family Mission Possible because we want people to know that while you do have issues associated with being a step family, when we focus so much on that step, we lose sight mm-hmm. of belonging to a family. And God has put us in the family that we're in, and He calls us to be a good steward 
in the family that we're in. That's such a great point. And every one of us were adopted into God's family. None of us went natural. We were all adopted into God's family. So that is a, a beautiful picture. And I the other thing I like about we are family here is that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to get some things wrong. It's perfectly normal and natural to stub your toe and to walk into some pitfalls. In fact, I would be shocked if you didn't. That's not just a step family thing. It is that those challenges, they just look a little bit different in your step families because of the dynamics of all of the people, the ages and the experiences and the values that they bring. And something else, I think a final word for today would be a good reminder that while you and your partner are working on your blended values, you have them in your home, but when the kids go to the mm-hmm. other home, That's right. those values may not have anything to do with your values. They may be 180 degrees mm. different. And you and I have lost time on focusing on things that are completely out of our control because we felt like that has derailed the progress in our own home. And that may or may not be true. That's a, a matter of opinion. And it might not be something that you really know for years to come. We have seen blended situations just become beautiful over the years. And and we've experienced that. As you, the longer you go, the more likely it is that you have those beautiful moments that show you, oh, that's why I went through that. That's why it was so difficult before. And... Frankly, there are going to be some issues that you might never resolve. Maybe. This is the agree to disagree or tolerate or know that it's out of your control for this moment. And know what your line in the sand is and what your negotiable issues are. Your line in the sand and my line in the sand need to be the same when it comes to running our family. That we need to be on the same sheet. So there are going to be things that we have chosen to do as a family that if it were left up to me or if it were left up to you on your own, we would do it differently. But we've had the conversation, we've had the experience where we've said, this is the direction that we're going to go because this is what works best for us. And this is what works for the children too, in a way. A great example that we've talked about in the past even is having that day when we make the transition, having transition day and saying, we agree that is just going to be a lighter day. There's going to be less discipline. There's going to be more patience. There's going to be, we just know that's going to be a day that we have to be more flexible. With. That is the day that the Holy Spirit really needs to show up. <laughs> And he does. (laughs) He does. He does. Although sometimes I think I miss him. I miss him because I'm so busy dealing with some other things. Uh, But yes, for sure. All right. That's a great word. Hey, listen, we'll put some things in the show notes as far as the three things that you can do to help smooth those moments when you're not in full or anywhere close to partial agreement on some things so that you can move through the conflict in a way that actually builds up your relationship as a couple, unifies you together, 
and has you moving in the same direction that is the best for your step family. Amen. Amen. That's right.